Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It is June 22nd, 2022. This is season 13, episode 2 of the Soybean Pest Podcast. How you doing, Aaron? Hi, Matt. Doing good. How are you? Oh, man, so good. We have so much to talk about. Let's just jump right into it. How about some pest roundup? What's going on out in the field? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what we talked about last time. There was quite a bit of the usual suspects for seed and seedling uh, pest activity. And I think the day after we did our podcast, Ashley Dean in our lab found some soybean aphids in central Iowa. So this is at the Johnson farm just south of Ames. And um, I think she actually noted uh, ants is, was her visual cue. So she saw some ants on soybean and it was her, you know, like spidey sense went off and uh, found panicked? a few aphid are we, colonies. Are we panicked? Are we panicking? Uh, I'm not panicked. Um, it It's not typical to have the very first sighting in central Iowa, but it is typical to find soybean aphid a few colonies started in mid-June, although it's usually more north. But the the people that really spent a lot of time looking for aphids have retired. And so I just don't think that people are spending a lot of time looking for aphids. Who are these people that spent a lot of time looking for aphids? Uh, it would be Brian Lang. He was a field agronomist oh, in yeah. northeast Iowa. And then Paul Castle was sort of northwest, north central Iowa. Um, he's usually one of the first people every year to tell me he found aphids. I didn't know Brian retired. Brian Lang? Yeah. You didn't know that he retired? No. This I has been, been invited. I think, two years now, at least, Matt. Oh, no, so many things have happened. I can't keep track of all this stuff. We've definitely um, talked about it, but yeah, he's he's gone. I mean, he not is. gone. He's just not working here anymore. Right. Um, well, uh, Godspeed, Brian Lang, and uh, hopefully you find better ways to spend your time in retirement than scouting fields for soybean aphids. Um, I hope so. So not a panic issue, but uh, kind of usual that, you know, somebody working hard will find an aphid or a few colonies of aphids this time of year. Yeah. What else? What else are you seeing out there? Well, um, Ashley Dean, bringing her name back again, monitors degree days for several key pests. And we talked about uh, that last week. But uh, this week we reached an important benchmark with Japanese beetles. And so I already had two people tell me this morning that they found Japanese beetles in soybean. And one was north central Iowa and one was out west in Sac County that they've I've seen some Japanese beetles. So they are on the move. So these are the adults that are emerging out of the soil. Uh, it's been warm enough for the larvae complete development. And this could keep going for well, this will keep going for several weeks, right? Uh, we've got kind of ideal conditions for them. Uh, we're going to get some rain here uh, in the next 48 hours, I think on Friday and Saturday, probably loosen up the soil a little bit and help the the adult beetles emerge. And They're hardy. I don't think they have any trouble getting out of the soil. Well, then it's just game on in terms of the adults feeding and frolicking, getting together. Oh, yeah feeding, mating for 60, 70 days, so pretty much throughout July, August. Um, they have a wide host range, so likely to see them on corn and soybean and a lot of other plants. So we are contractually obligated as applied entomologists to encourage our listeners to scout for all pests, including the Japanese beetle, which as the season progresses is not unusual, but will overlap with the silking of corn, and that's a, a problem 
that the beetles can cause and clipping back those silks. Not going to happen yet. We're, we're far from uh, silk formation, but that, would you say, 30 plus days of adult occurrence is going to overlap with that stage. Oh, yeah. They'll be out for months, at least two months. Mm. You know, on the side, uh, they're an attractive beetle to look at. They're beautiful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and destructive. Okay, uh, you got a third pest? I mean, I could go on and on and on, but um, yeah. one another report I got today, first, first report of the year of the caterpillar in western Iowa. All right, can we talk about this? These are the painted Yeah, that's why I brought it up, Matt. (laughs) It does seem odd to ask permission to talk on a podcast. but um, just do it. The the amount of adult painted ladies I'm seeing in town, uh, and especially in, like, wooded areas, is insane. I, I, I wasn't around when the outbreak happened in, was that 2018? 19. 19. You know, you don't have to correct me in front of everybody like that. That's embarrassing. But the uh, I remember coming back in July on 80 and just my windscreen, windscreen was covered with uh, the butterflies, the adult butterflies. Um, tell me if I've got this right. The adults I'm seeing now, uh, those are laying eggs and then producing the caterpillars that we're going to see on soybeans in the next week or so. Yeah, that people have already been, you know, like I said, there was already caterpillars on soybean. Oh, so, right, right. But, I mean, what instar are those? Are they pretty small, you think, or? Oh, yeah, I think they're probably pretty small. I mean, like, V3, V6 is a typical time to see those caterpillars in Iowa. So, I'm not surprised. It was just the first time I've heard about it this year. Yeah, I I, I suspect we're going to hear a lot more because the, um, the adult activity is at least in this part of central Iowa, is pretty high. and uh, You're not confusing it with um, admirals or hackberry emperor, are you? Oh, um, that's a good question. I could be. I could be. That's what I'm hearing about as far as like when they say, when people are asking me, what is this butterfly or what is this moth? They're sending me tons of pictures and it's hackberry emperor, which is uh, like a brown moth with spots. I don't think you would confuse it with uh, the painted lady, but it's hard for me to distinguish painted ladies and admiral uh, butterflies in flight. But um, what I've actually been seeing pictures of are the Hackberry Emperor. Yeah, I might be confusing those. That's a good point. Because uh, I will say um, our viewers, our viewers, our listeners can't see that I took off my reading glasses for a second. Um, yeah, I may be confusing those two. Um, but yeah. But anyway, uh, Thistle caterpillar activity is up, and you and I are both expecting it to increase and continue for a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then probably get a second generation? Um, It's usually only the first one um, that we see the caterpillars in June and July that people care about because the plants are smaller. Usually when soybeans uh, are in the reproductive state, um, a little bit of the defoliation from these caterpillars is minimal okay yeah all right and then um last up since we talked uh my graduate student ben colby has been monitoring for soybean gall midge in western iowa and he has two sites that he's looking for uh overwintering emergence of adults and then also larvae on plants and he's been able to find 
adults and larvae at both locations. And so this is coordinating or overlapping very nicely with what the folks in Nebraska are seeing. Um, as far as I know, they haven't found midges in Minnesota or South Dakota yet, but um, you'd expect maybe a slight delay just on the from south to north. So from the occurrence, uh, do you have any sense of abundance if they're robust numbers or too early to say? Just from Ben's observations, the, the number of larvae per plant and the number of plants infested is, is uh, higher than it has been in the last two years that we've been monitoring our sites. And so it's maybe too early for me to say what the season will be like because they have three overlapping generations, but at least the beginning has been that the tempo has been a little bit higher than the last couple of years. Okay. Anything else? Uh, I would say that I think we talked briefly about armyworms and cutworms last time and those problems are still continuing. Uh, I would say the infestations are patchy, but we're what I'm hearing about are <clears throat> excuse me are a lot of larger caterpillars, so I think they're sort of wrapping up their feeding cycle. And when you say patchy, you mean across the state or in fields where they're found, they're patchy. Yes, and yes, yeah. So um, again, we are contractually obligated to encourage our listeners to scout for such pests as their distribution may not be even throughout a field. It's highly variable for sure. Yeah. Um, maybe we could just have an aside here on um, variable rate spraying, you know, patch spraying in fields. Do you think that's something that's uh, worth considering for any of these pests that we've talked about? Um, the site specific or targeted sprays would be something I would recommend for sure. I don't know how feasible that is, especially if. You don't have your own equipment. If you are uh, contracting a piece of equipment um, or you're hiring somebody to spray, sometimes they're not as not as willing to just do targeted sprays. They want to spray the entire field. And so if you have your own equipment, of course, you can customize the rate. You can customize like where and when you're spraying a bit more. You have more flexibility. Mm -hmm. So it would be something I'd recommend for edge effect type pests like armyworms, cutworms, Japanese beetle, so on and so on. All right. Well, anything else or is that the big five that you wanted to cover today? Um, those are the, the things I've been hearing about since we last met. And I think one thing that we also wanted to bring up or introduce to our listener, listeners, if you happen to be in Iowa and you were interested in getting alerts oh, through text you. messaging, yep. um, I got a mini grant from the North Central IPM Center to uh, create a pest alert network. And we did this because we thought, based on some farmer focus groups, that they really prefer to get kind of short pieces of information through text messaging. And they're not as much or they don't they're not as often checking email and maybe some social media sites for news and, and updates and so um, right now we've been doing it for about three weeks sending out text messages and it can be as much as you want based on your region and your pests or if you are only interested say in corn rootworm you can just sign up for the corn rootworm alerts and so we have a few different options when you sign up and it's free for anyone and i think uh, over the weekend we hit triple digits so we have over 100 subscribers for our first season which is exciting nice. congratulations yeah. uh, how much does that cost 
it's free for them. Free. It's three credits per message per person for us, which kind of sounds like a little bit of a scam, but credits, I don't necessarily think equate to dollars. That's starting to sound like some Star Wars uh, jargon there. How yeah. many credits for your droids? Um, okay. Like I will put- Bitcoin. I don't know. It's It costs us some money to send it out, but it's pretty negligible. Well, the rate that Bitcoin is going, <laughs> <laughs> decreasing in value. But so I will- sign up. It's free. Yeah. And uh, on our website for the link to the, the blog, uh, the blog, the podcast, I will put the link to the po- uh, Pest Alerts. I think I also put it in last week's uh, box, but um, yeah, it's never too late to be alerted. Anything else? Those are the things I wanted to bring up today. Mark that as a success there. Okay. Um, I got one for you. You know, sometimes okay. we like to end our podcast with a little fun insect trivia that the okay. people at home can play along with. All right. So today's trivia question um, is a format that I tried out last season. I want to see if we can bring it back. I've got a series of five insects. I'm going to read through each one individually. And Aaron, in the chat, I want you to put your answer to the question, what do these five insects have in common? Okay. Yeah. And then after I get, and and if you can guess before the five, hey, well done. Nice job. Mm-hmm. But don't say it out loud. Just put it in the chat. And then after I finish reading them out, uh, I am going to um, give the answer. And then I'll okay. tell our listener if Aaron got it right. Okay. How much fun is that? So fun. Yeah, it's fun. I get a, Is it weird that I get pleasure putting you on the spot like this? It is kind of weird, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, you, well, feel free to ask me questions, too two-time state champion in quiz ball. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about this question, which is what do these five insects have in common? All right. First one, kudzu bug. Second one, red banded stink bug. Listeners, I will note that Aaron has yet to uh, put an answer. Third one, brown marmorated stink bug. She still has an answer. All right. We're up to our fourth insect. Well, it's hard to know when I don't know all five of them. Okay. You know, some people like to buzz in early, but you are a judicious buzzer. You're waiting. All right. So uh, let me just recap. So far, we have kudzu bug, red-banded stink bug, brown marmorated stink bug. Number four, Japanese beetle. Still a pause. All right. And our last insect, soybean aphid. So what do those five insects have in common? Kudzu bug, red banded stink bug, brown marmorated stink bug, Japanese beetle, soybean aphid. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we have an answer from uh, our co-host. Very well done, Aaron, for the win. They are all invasive species. And a little extra credit for Erin. She identified them as invasive species from Asia. I believe that's true. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about red banded stink bug. Is that right? I have no idea. Have to double it check was your that. question, man. Well, you went deep. You, you oh. gave me a little extra sauce on that answer. You said all invasives <laughs> from Asia. And uh, 
Why, why are we bringing this up? Because if you'll recall in our past roundup, only one of these, well, actually, no, two of these were noted, uh, Japanese beetle and soybean aphid. Why am I bringing this up? Well, because uh, a little while ago, the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, announced that June is Invasive Species Awareness Month in Iowa. And uh, there's efforts now uh, to inform the public about what they can do to combat invasive species in Iowa and beyond. I'm going to put a link to an article that uh, summarizes some of these activities. Some of these activities are for people who practice agriculture at the commodity scale. Some are for homeowners and just the general public. There's a few things we can do in Iowa to prevent these from coming into the state. But there's uh, quite a few things we can do in the state to prevent their uh, continued spread and establishment. And I thought the article did a nice job of mentioning some of those. And to be clear, insects aren't the only things that can be invasive in the United States. I went on to the, um, another, uh, what do you call it, website blog for the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation. They listed five of Iowa's most invasive species and how to get rid of them. Want to hazard a guess at uh, what those five species were, Aaron, as identified by Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation? Uh, zebra mussels? Nope, that didn't make the top five. Um, garlic mustard? Oh, ding, 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 ding. That's one of the five. Um, oh, man, some sort of other weed. Uh, you know what? You are so on track. They are all plants that oh, the okay. Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation identified as the most invasive, most important invasive uh, pests for Iowa. Bush honeysuckle. Not emerald ash borer? No, surprisingly really? not. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bush honeysuckle, garlic mustard, your favorite of mine, European buckthorn, because that's the winter host of the soybean aphid, multiflora rose, and reed canary grass. The reason okay. I bring this up is uh, invasive species can uh, cover, uh, can be found across all of the kingdom of, of uh, living things, plants, animals, bacteria, viruses, etc. Fungi. Jumping worms. Jumping worms. Don't know about the jumping worms. Oh, Ooh, you got to oh. get with the times. Tell me more. They're invasive. What's a jumping worm? I think the name says it all. <laughs> They're pushing out some of our natural endemic worms. Asian jumping worm. They move like a snake. A small, glossy, gray or brown-bodied, white, milky white clitellum. Oh, did not. Oh, these are gross. Okay. Well, anyway, I uh, wanted to bring that up because I thought it was a timely, fun yeah. insult trivia. That was and, a good one. Oh, thanks. Uh, and uh, hopefully our listener enjoyed that as well. Um, I'll put links to the articles that I mentioned as well as to the um, pest alert, where to sign up for that. Awesome. Hey, wrapping up, uh, anything you want to plug? Not on the soybean side. I have quite a few corn rootworm field days coming up starting next week where we're going to talk about scouting and management, but not on the soybean side yet, unless soybean gall midge really starts to take off. 
I've got uh, an event this Saturday at Ryman Gardens, the Pollinator Fest, celebrating the end of National Pollinator Week. will be from 10 to 2 o'clock at Ryman Gardens. There will be several booths for people to learn about pollinators, uh, their fascinating biology, ecology, how to conserve them. And there will be a booth for honey tasting where they can taste the products of the Iowa State University apiary. We've got two honeys that uh, they can try. The classic honey that is primarily derived from corn and soybeans. And then our prairie strip honey, which was derived from farms that have implemented the prairie strip practice. And the bees that are kept there forage on the prairie strip, especially after clover and soybean cease flowering. They've produced not only more honey than those kept at our classic sites, but also a fairly distinctive flavor. And this is not just anecdotal. It's uh, something we've confirmed with with testing the honey to see where the source of the nectar is from. But I'll leave it up to the public. Have a taste. Tell us what you think. And uh, we'll do a little voting to see whether people like the classic or the prairie strip better. How's that? Sounds pretty fun. Yeah. All right. That's all I got. All right. Did we do it? Number two in the books. Is it done? Done. Done and done. All right. Thanks, Aaron. See ya. Yeah. See ya.